0: Welcome to the Musea Podcast. This is episode number 14, and I am Michael Hauer, the founder and CEO of Musea. For this episode, I talked with uh, Noah Azulay Slater. She's a photographer out in California. Uh, her and I talk about uh, artistic integrity, um, how she attracts her ideal clients, and how repelling potential clients is uh, actually can be a good thing. Uh, she also has a, a workshop coming up that we talk about. Um, it's coming out on uh, April 18th and 19th, and it's out uh, in the Bay Area around uh, Pacifica, California. So if you want to check that out, go to featherlove.com slash workshops. So thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy our conversation. Noah, thanks for coming on. Appreciate your time.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Well, we'll uh, start with the first question is just kind of how you got started. I guess just how you've really found photography and a little bit of your background.
1: Um, my dad used to do photography. He doesn't do it anymore, but um, so I grew up with that. And he had a dark room at home, and um, he was really, really passionate about it. And so he would sit, you know, I would sit there watching him for hours and And um, he would explain what he was doing and why and why it was a good shot and why it was a bad shot and, uh, you know, composition. And so I started getting a a little bit of a background that way. And um, he had this best friend who was a a film photographer. Like, he would go on film sets and shoot. And um, he was a really kind of crazy, like, hippie, stoner kind of dude. And he was really um, fascinating. And they would sit around talking about photography and weird other subjects like metaphysical stuff and so it it was kind of like cool to hang out in that club you know and then I um he got me my first camera when I was 11 which I still have and I still shoot on and um and I would shoot you know on and off throughout my childhood and then kind of got back into it when I was about 14 15 um doing like nudes and um, experimenting and stuff. And then I, I went into college when I was 17 and I took some black and white classes and developing and um, and then kind of on and off like would do projects here and there and then uh, in my 20s started shooting a lot again and a lot of portraits and some nudes but I started getting more into bands and um, started sh- shooting a lot of bands through my 20s and then started doing the wedding stuff uh, six years ago. Um, Does that answer the question?
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's good. Which is, it seems like you're, uh, it's different than a lot of people you talk to nowadays because they're, um, I don't know, seems like they found it some other way um, through college or something. It's a little more recent, so it seems like your history with photography goes back a lot, extends a lot farther, you know, you don't hear often about people when they're 10, 11, really finding it. Um, I know for me, I didn't find it until I was like 18, so college.
1: Yeah. Um, Well, I think it's because I was exposed, you know, to it. I think if you're exposed to it, then you might, you know, when you're younger, then you start getting interested in whatever you're exposed to,
0: you know, but who knows when I would have, you know, found it (laughs) without my dad being into it, you know? Right. Was your dad, I mean, was he, so was he just kind of like a hobbyist with it or was he trying to be a professional with it?
1: No, he wasn't. Um, he had his own, uh, he was a businessman and he was a pro at that and that was a full-time thing, but he did it just out of love mostly. Um, and you know, I grew up in South Africa and, and so he did a lot of wildlife stuff, really cool wildlife and also like a lot of rock concerts and um, any sort of like he did some portraiture as well. He's I've got photos of me from when I was a kid that he took that are really rad. And then, um, what else did he do? He loved flowers. He really, really loved flowers. He would photograph flowers for hours. He's, he used to at one point have a, a cut flower business. We had like three greenhouses on a, on a farm and he would go in there with his macro lenses and shoot the hell out of like just close ups of flowers and little bees and, he was really into that stuff. So, you know, when you see somebody um, in love with something, it, it resonates on you. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. And
1: you, you get an intrigue for it. You're like, what is that secret relationship that they have with that, that thing? And it, you know, it makes you kind of get into it. I think that's like that with music or film or anything. When you have, when you watch somebody,
0: you know, get into something, it kind of influences you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So you, how old did you say when you started doing like your nude stuff? 14? um no
1: 14 15, yeah which is strange now when i look at it because yeah. it was my, my girlfriends who were like about the same age and i still have these photos you know and i'm like oh god i mean nobody will ever see them it's like i don't know how legal that is but
0: right i guess if you're both underage maybe it's okay i don't know probably that's <laughs> making yeah um because it seems, I mean, you're still doing them. So what is what is it about that the nudes that you like? I mean, what is it that fascinates you with that?
1: You know, I do them very rarely. Um, if you saw, you know, the, the, the one that's like very prominent on my site and everything, um, that was a job I was hired to do. You know, she hired me to do that. Um, and I've gotten a lot of inquiries to do them since that I don't, really do them. First of all, I I jacked up the price on them really high. And, um, second of all, the reason I did that is because I have a very, very, very specific thing that I'll do and I won't do anything else. Um, and, and if you saw that shoot, it's, you know, I'm really influenced by like the old penthouses and just the really soft and pretty natural light photography that they used to have. It wasn't ever pornographic. It was just really artsy and pretty and dreamy and, um, so, and as a kid, there were a lot of those magazines, you know, in our house as well. As my dad was a photographer, he had every kind of, you know, wall-to-wall photography books of everything and nudes and all that. So, so that kind of, you know, started when I was a kid too, like thinking, God, oh, what a pretty picture or what a pretty. So I, I rarely do them now because of that, because I don't do like a pinup type style and people want, you know, I want to do a pinup and I want to do this. Um, sexy thing on the bed and for my fiance, and I'm just like, that's cool, and I'll do it, but if it's my way, you know, needs I have to be very specific with how I'm going to do them, um, so, yeah, I think that that answers the question. I can never remember what the initial
0: questions are when I get interviewed
1: because I talk so much, sorry. Yeah.
0: No. <laughs> that's good. Um, I think one of the reasons I want to talk to you is because, you know, obviously I've been Trying to like scour the internet and like try to find some, especially wedding photographers or people that shoot weddings that do it a little different. Um, and so when I kind of came across, you know, somebody referred me to your Twitter or something uh, handle, and so then I, that's how I kind of found you. And uh, when I found your work, I was, I was kind of thinking, I was like, you know, this this is the type of stuff that uh, we hear in the industry that you're not supposed to do that. If you do this, you're not going to be successful, you know? I love but, it, but here's a person that's, like, bold enough to do it, um, you know, because I, I kind of look at your work and I was like, you know, it's there's a lot of blurry stuff. Um, there's a lot, a lot of portraits. Uh, you, you know, you even have, like, kind of the nudes that you have on that that one shoot on there, which are different than you know, what you would typically find, like, in the boudoir kind of stuff that you see now. Uh, and there's not even, like, a ton of, like, smiley stuff. There's some, but not, like, a a lot. So those are definitely kind of, like, a you're kind of breaking the rules of what the industry tells us is expected. So how has that kind of rule-breaking attitude in your work helped you, you know, be successful in what you're doing?
1: Um, well, I think um, I... Pretty much, I decided um, a while ago to just stop um, trying to do things to get clients and trying to show work that I think people will like, and made a very clear and, and decisive uh, change to just filter everything through me and what I would want to see so that my taste is the only thing influencing it. And um, <clears throat> once I did that, I, I was putting out, I was only showing work that I loved. And then that inadvertently, like, affected, it influenced me to even more, creating more work that I like, because I was only allowing one path of production for myself. It was like, well, you're not going to create anything you don't like. So then I really started to sort of find myself and find my style and, and develop it as I went. You know, the more I shot, the more I developed it. And um, so you kind of have to get your, well, at least in my opinion, you, you got to get your head out of what do people want? What's going to sell all that stuff? Cause that's what everyone's doing and really go, what do I want? And it's, and you think the answer is easy, but you, you got to do a lot of work to figure out who you are, what you want, how you want it to look. Um, it takes lots of trial and error and takes lots of experimentation, but eventually you get closer and closer to that part of yourself. And and then you don't even think of it like you're breaking rules. You're just producing what's true to you. Um, so I don't really think of it that way. Although technically, I know I, I break lots of rules. But I think some of the most interesting stuff comes out that way. Some of my favorite photographers—it's um, not all just perfect and clean and nice. You know, there's so many photos out there like that. I think it's—it's um, it's the stuff that that jolts you a little bit that makes you think and makes you feel something because that part, that connects to the part of you that's um, that that is human and that feels things and that sees imperfections or sees different layers or understands the depth in things and at least for me that's how how I um, view the work and, and I think it's gotten a lot more personal because of that because it, I actually have my, my own Whatever is my perspective on life or the world or experiences is directly in my work now. There's no like um, separation, like oh, take a really nice photo and then live your life. No, it's like I'm finding it in everything, and it's influencing me through my work, and I'm trying to talk to it all the time. So, I'm... so yeah, I, I like that you <laughs> that you said that um, that you were surprised that um, that there's work out there like this that's not, you know. <laughs> horrible or whatever um, because I think that's kind of my point and that you know when I started doing the workshops and everything you know something I felt really strongly about is that you can you can do what everybody else is doing and you can get reasonable and mediocre results and some people are fine with that they're like I can make a living of shooting 20 weddings a year I'm happy with it that's fine but the workshops are, are geared what I'm concerned with is people who want more they want a real self-satisfaction as an artist, like I do, which is a constant thing to strive for, and and um, the um, the whole idea of getting there means you're going to have to take that risk. You're going to have to face your fears. You're going to have to face your fears as a as a person, as a as a professional, um, and as an artist. And that's when you can start producing some stuff, you know, real stuff that makes you like, Oh my God, look at that photo. I'm, I'm moved by my own photo. You know, that's, yeah.
0: there's nothing like that. It's interesting. Cause I, <clears throat> what, everything you're saying is things that I personally believe in and I, I'm trying to help hopefully other photographers kind of understand that side of it. Um, I, I get some photographers that, uh, when I bring that kind of topic up and they, they say, well, it's not, you know, shooting a wedding is not about you. It's about your clients. Everything you should do should be about your your clients. You know, um, but I think there's this kind of weird. What you're talking about is this reversal of like, you you know, how do you balance like shooting? You're shooting for yourself, even though you're still shooting for somebody else at the same time. Like, you know, um, I, there's a, there's a, it's possible to satisfy both people at the same time. It's not either or. Is that, if that makes sense? So can you talk a little bit about that and how you've, how you kind of work in that realm successfully?
1: Sure. Um, I think it just depends on if you're going to go, um, from back to front, from front to back, basically like if you're, you can either choose to say, I have to please my clients first, I have to please my clients first, and then try to find a way to please yourself underneath that. Or you can just say, if my entire universe is focused on pleasing myself artistically, The right clients are going to come to that because I'm only showing work that I love personally. The right people are going to be attracted to that and they're just naturally going to be pleased with the images because they picked me for a person who's creating something I love and it's not for everyone. It's for very few people. It's It's a specific style. So if they, if they like it, I'm going to be producing from that same place for them. So it relieves a lot of stress off of me artistically speaking as well, because I go, okay, I'm going into a situation. I've been hired to shoot. I've been paid this much money or whatever. And, um, what am I going to do? I'm going to do exactly what I feel at that exact moment. I I call it intuitive shooting. Like when people are like, oh, do you want to come scope out the place the day before the wedding? No, I don't do that. I, I walk in on that day with the feelings that are happening with the people around me, with how my clients are doing with the setup. That's intuitive. That's, that's when I have to feel it. I need to get the whole thing at that moment. I can't pre-plan. You know, sometimes I'll be like, oh, you know, I really want to take this one shot. I'll try it at the next wedding. So I'll, I'll do that. that. It's not very much pre-planning. It'll just be an idea. But, um, yeah, I, I, um, I walk in knowing I'm going to do what's right at the moment for myself and for them.
0: Yeah. yeah. Of that. so
1: you either approach it from first satisfy yourself, and then you know they get satisfied, or you approach it from, you know, t- try to satisfy your clients and hope that you feel good about the stuff you've put out in the meantime.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I feel like there's a group of photographers in the world. There's kind of like two, at least at least within the wedding industry, and probably in other genres too. But uh, you have your photographers that are like really claim like they're artists and they really want to satisfy themselves artistically and try to get paid for that at the same time. But I think there's another segment that's a little bit of like, um, that really approaches it just from the business aspect. Uh, and so they do, they will, they will bend to whatever their clients want. So what they can, they try to be kind of like a chameleon. Like if they want this type of photography, I can offer that. Or if they want this type of photography, I can try to offer that. Do you feel, though, like if you're always trying to... If you're trying to serve all your clients and make them happy all the time on the front side and worry about yourself later as the artist, do you think that leads to kind of mediocre work? Like, does that hinder you as an artist to create something that's different that kind of really pushes the boundaries?
1: I don't think so. I think it depends on what you want to accomplish. If you
0: are okay with
1: being a chameleon and you're playing with different styles that you like for for different clients, I think that that's okay. I mean, part of figuring it out is asking yourself what you really want. If something's not making you happy, we have to question it. You know, um, I don't know. I think, I think, I don't think there's a right or wrong way to do anything. Mm-hmm. I think there's what's right and wrong for me, and then there's what's right and wrong for you. So it's a it's a matter of, you know, if these other photographers are doing that, if they're enjoying that, if maybe it it helps them explore more avenues or assists their creativity or even just pays the bills and if that's making them happy, that's awesome. Um for for me that wouldn't be enough. Me personally, you know. Um but it's just a matter of, of taste and what, what you want to do. If you if you want to approach it from this angle, it's it's harder and it's riskier, maybe, you know. Um, But I think it's ultimately worth it completely. I mean, I'm very, very satisfied with my work and I love doing it. And I love the fact that I never feel, I never sit there and go like, oh, this is, this is good. You're, you're done. You don't need to grow anymore. Every day I'm like, oh, you can do better than that. Or, oh, you you know, you should try to, this new thing or try to open up more or something. It's a constant challenge, but it teaches me a lot about being a person as well.
0: So are your clients, when they hire you, they're basically just kind of like, just do it, just do your thing. And then they don't really worry about, they don't worry about micromanaging you, essentially.
1: Um, The first half of my career was, was intense like that. Second half is like a dream. I mean, the past few years, they're just like, we love you, just do your thing. You're so awesome. You know, and then I'm fully inspired and creative because I'm not stressed out. You know they, they treat me really well, and um, and that's again. You know, I know you, you've had discussions with other people on on the um, blog about this as well with other photographers about um, the whole thing with you know putting out a really tight edit of your work, only showing stuff you like, only showing stuff you're good at. Um, I, I remember that you were discussing with um, Tech Potage a little bit about that. And, and I think that's really important, really important, because you're going to attract what you show
0: yeah. and
1: if you, if you don't want to show, if you don't want to attract any more weddings where you, you know, you have to do the, what is it, the bridal party photo where everyone's jumping in the air, then don't show it on your website because someone's going to see it and go, I really like that. And if you don't want to do those shots, they're going to want it, they're going to expect
0: it. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Um, yeah, I mean, looking at your website, <clears throat> one of the things I noticed, especially on your main website, not necessarily the blog, is just that you don't even really have full weddings on there. You might even have just like one photo from a wedding in some circumstances. Um, well, there's a
1: lot of photos from weddings, but I show mostly, um, photos from the couple session. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a couple, a few photos on there of setup. set up. Um, the details, and I think there's maybe two or three—I could be wrong—of like reception or dancing or some kind of action shot. Um, I wanted to do a really tight edit on the portfolio when it came to weddings. Um, I mean, you can see even you can go to my blog and you know see thousands of photos of weddings—you know, forty, fifty, sixty from each wedding—and and you can see all the details and all the things that I can do. But as for the portfolio, I wanted to make it really tight. And not just like, but I can also shoot dances, you know, I, that doesn't matter to me. I, I, I just wanted to have the, here's the images I like that all look good together,
0: you know? <laughs> yeah. Which are more portrait based, you know? So do you, I mean, do you get a lot of clients that really want to see a lot of more, a lot more of the other parts of the wedding day, or do you have people that just love that kind of strong portraiture and just book you just solely on that?
1: Um, they look at the blog and when they see the blog, then they see Thousands of wedding photos from hundreds of wedding—well, not hundreds—I don't know how many are in there, um, where they can actually see how the whole day is going to look. Yeah. Um, so it is—it is up there. I just had to make that portfolio side of mine is is reasonably new; it's a few months old, and I had to make a really strong decision to separate um, my blog. Is sort of you know an ongoing thing, and it shows more work and more weddings for people who want to research. It also shows personal work and it also shows, um, travel. It shows anything I like, um, my portfolio, I wanted to put up as, um, well, you can see it says like my name now, no, as Slater, Slater as opposed to feather love, because I wanted to make an artist portfolio that features my art first, then it's also a photography portfolio. And then one of the sections happens to be weddings you know, and there's other sections as well. So I really wanted to make, I was like, you know, I've spent all this time building a brand. I've got, you know, clients have some followers online and all this kind of stuff. I'll leave the blog for all the stuff, you know, the, the new shoots and, you know, longer edits of images and the portfolio is just going to be like, this is what I've done. This is a tight edit, even though it's several hundred photos. It's a tight edit of my work, of me, this is it. You
0: know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, really looking at like all your work, even not even just the weddings, but even like your music stuff, uh, even just kind of some of your even travel or whatever stuff. I I, I tend to feel that some people would look at your work, uh, and I think there's a temptation to maybe dismiss it kind of quickly and maybe label it as like something that kind of trendy vintage kind of quasi like hipster thing. If they just kind of brush through the surface of your pictures, you know, but I feel that I feel that with your stuff, it's a little deeper than that. And it's a little more like authentic and it's coming from a, a little more of a unique place. That's like kind of has a, that's has a bit of a sixties, seventies, vibe or something to it you know there's a bit of a free spirit to the whole thing so where does that type of attitude in your work come from personally for you The uh, free spirit stuff. yeah yeah just all of that um
1: hmm. i don't know i guess it comes from my spirit <laughs> i don't know um it's interesting because you know I just want to go back for a second. You were talking about um, label, you know, the vintage type thing, which I actually wrote a guest post on East Side Bride about um, why we should start using that word less in this industry because it's it's become mainstream, and of course it became very controversial. It's like all the guest posts I do, and then everybody made a bunch of nasty comments, but um, which is really entertaining for me. But um, it's interesting because I, I shoot a lot of film too, and I don't touch film in post-processing. It's right out of the camera. That's how it comes. I love film. I love how it feels. Um, so when I post-process, the, the whole thing started with my, with the digital photography, and the post-processing thing was because I was using digital, but I love film and I wanted digital to look like film. So I started messing around with, Post-processing. I mean, I had been for, for years before the wedding uh, stuff, even when I was shooting bands or whatever. And I just tried to keep making it look like film, all different kinds of film from all different eras, and I would go through stages. And and so I built all those processes over the years with the essential intention to make my images look like they're shot on film. And then sometimes it goes in its own path and it maybe looks like it's shot on film, but it, I'd give it its own coloring or whatever. But that was the whole point. So when I shoot film now, of course I I don't have to post process it. But there's nothing vintage about that because it's just film. I'm not post processing it to look old. I'm just shooting film. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. sometimes the camera might be old, like the one I've had since I was 11 or sometimes it's just a a, a Canon Rebel film camera. That's the one I travel with because it's the lightest and I love I love shooting with it. Sometimes I'll you know, push a couple of stops or I'll use expired film. I'll experiment like that. So, um, and I've gotten questions like that before where people are like, aren't you afraid that this is just a fad? And first of all, I'm, I, I no, I'm not afraid of that because I don't, again, I don't concern about that outside noise. I'm only concerned about, am I only concern about, am I doing what I like? And it keeps growing and progressing and I try different things. Um, and you can't, sort of worry about going out of style if you're shooting film or if you're processing how, things how you like at the moment um, I don't know it's, it, there's a, a lot of like fears and worries and people say a lot of stuff like and it doesn't faze me like, at all it really doesn't I, I'm constantly doing what I feel at the, at the moment and I think it's grown tremendously in the past you know, six years um, yeah. and I'm just going to keep doing that I don't like when people call it vintage wedding photography. I don't because it's not to me. If I, if I showed you the images without the post processing on it, you know, if I'm going to post it on my site, it's because it's a good image. least I think so, you know, that it's, it's, it's okay enough to go up on the internet as an image itself, not because it's post-processed a certain way. Do you know what I'm saying? So yeah, I, I've had yeah. to ask myself that question before and, and that I filter it that way too. I'm like, is this, am I happy with this image because I'm happy with this image. And then, yeah, if I can make it look like maybe it was shot on 35 millimeter, that's even better. Yeah,
0: yeah. There's something about your work, just your clients that you work with, though, that's like, uh, I mean, how they live their life seems to match maybe how you live your life. Like, the area I live in is very southern, very conservative, very traditional. There's a lot of expectations, um, you know. I don't. It's just a lot. It's a lot of just you know, it's decades and decades of certain traditions that are over. They've been doing. Families have passed down. You know, some of it's kind of the r- religious beliefs that we have here and different things like that. But there's something about your work that's a little more open. Like your clients are a little more. Uh, I guess maybe they're they don't they're not. As, a typical mainstream life? Does that make sense? Absolutely. I think, I mean, it's so, what I was
1: so. saying earlier, you know, if you're putting out the work you love, you're putting yourself out on your sleeve. You're putting your soul out there and pe- people who will be attracted to it are people who are similar to you. And I, I absolutely be- I mean, uh, free spirit, sure, I mean, that's <laughs> that's a good word. The, the, those people are, uh, yeah, I would definitely describe my clients that way a lot of creatives, a lot of artists, and um, really fascinating people that have pretty much all become my friends over over time, because we click, because we relate, and they could see what kind of person I am through my work. This is what I'm talking about, like getting a direct conversation going with your work, that you don't need to explain it, you don't need to disclaim it or defend it or anything. It just when I get that question in in interviews, you know, what, how do you describe your work to people? What do you want people to take out of your work? I just, whatever they see, if they go, Oh, I don't like that. That's okay. That's good. If they say, wow, I'm really into that. That's great. Yeah, Yeah. I'm interested in the ones that are into that.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. And they'll trust, trust you more and you can take bigger risks and yeah. Talk a little bit about uh, artistic integrity what that means for you, for
1: you. yeah um, well I think we've, you know, a lot of the stuff we're talking about today making decisions and sticking to them making a choice you know if I'm going to show the work I love I think that's the number one artistic integrity um, choice you have to make I think is to to go that's it I'm just going to be honest with myself now I'm going to get all those voices and all those worries and concerns out of my head and just filter through me and go, do I love this? Do I not love this? Would I want to attract more work like this image or would I not want to? Once you start doing that, you start, you start realigning with your integrity as an artist. And once you do that, then all these other things start to unfold, you know, learning to say no, you know, no, I won't take that photo because I don't like it or because it won't look good. Um, And, you know, being polite about it, (laughs) suggesting a different photo instead, you know, something like that. Um, uh, artistic integrity what you will um, uh, how much you want to make for a shoot what you think it's worth Um, artistic integrity what you will and won't shoot I've gotten offers to shoot some very strange things (laughs) before I'll tell you (laughs) I won't tell you much but let me just say I called it the eyes wide shut situation I didn't (laughs) know but but I was like huh if I'm going to shoot something like that I'm just going to charge a shit ton of money and see if they, if they want it. And they didn't, <laughs> they couldn't afford it. It was very <laughs> weird, <laughs> very weird, very, very weird. But anyway, um, yeah. So, you know, and, and, and anytime things come up, you, you always like put them to yourself. Does this make me feel good or bad? How does this make you, it's very simple. You either resonate with it or you don't. It either terrifies you, or excites you, or makes you feel guilty or, and, and I, I treat my work like, it's my baby. Uh, to, for me personally, it's something I I have to constantly nurture, constantly take care of, um, lose sleep over, you know, I continue to educate, continue to, um, to let it teach me, you know, to, to understand, um, unconditional love sometimes. I mean, I'm, I'm, it's a thing that's a six year old kid now and I have to be honest with it a lot, so that it can learn to be honest on its own. You know, I I really feel like things have a life of their own if you uh, allow yourself to look at them that way. That you're having a relationship with something that it has its own life and it depends on you and what you put into it. So, um, what was your question again? Artistic integrity. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. a yeah. few yeah. a few points. Yeah, I always do that where I totally. <laughs> um, That's a few points I would say, you know, putting out stuff that you like, learning to say no, uh, putting a price on, you know. I would do that shoot for that much, I would feel good. For that much, I wouldn't feel good. So that's how much I would do it for. And everyone goes like, okay, well, that sounds really great, but what if you need to make a living? Well, we—that's I'm in the same boat. You know, we all have to make a living. You have to build to a point where you can get, where 95% of the time, you can just walk around saying yes or no, and, and you're okay financially. And, and that's work. I always say, you know, if you're going to take this whole thing from a real artist perspective, you've added, you've tripled your job. You got to, you got to work harder now. You have got to constantly work with yourself, and and um, you can do, you know, you can shoot like whatever weddings just to get money, and 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 be grateful for that. Absolutely. I mean, if somebody's paying you to do something. That's wonderful and it's a gift. If you have an issue with how artistic you're allowed to be, then you need to deal with that on your own. Then you need to go, okay, I need to either, if, I'm, if I can't make money unless I'm doing these weddings, then I need to do my own shoots. I need to spend extra time. I need to experiment. I need to develop myself to do the stuff that I like. You know, so we have choices. We always have choices, whether it's, it's a the financial thing shouldn't play into it. If you want to be a better artist, you can make it the time to do more art. Whether you're trying to do it in your weddings and taking the risk like that, or whether you're doing it as a person. Now, when you're, when you're just I mean, just doing it separately, if you're doing it separately, you're gonna, it's going to influence your, your increased art, artistic style and all that stuff. It's going to influence your wedding work anyway. Again, it just depends what, ang- what, how, what angle you want to approach things from. If you want to take it the slow way or the, the fast way, I did it the the fast way. I did it the crazy risk, like throw everything in the, you know, I don't recommend it. It's super stressful, but, but I had to do it that way. I'm sort of an extremist, you know, and, um, but for other people, they can do it slower. They can go, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to keep shooting w- weddings that maybe I'm not crazy about. Um, but th- it's paying the bills and that's a, a gift and that's beautiful that I can actually Jesus, you know, I can take photographs and get paid. I mean, what's a better dream in this world, you know? And at the same time, on my own time, I can do my own projects where I have full artistic freedom. I don't have to hide behind the confines of a wedding or a client, or I can actually do whatever I want. And people are very afraid of doing that. And I don't blame them because it's scary. We all have fears around that. So a lot of time we use, like, the the money thing as an excuse. Like, well, I won't make money if I take risks, or I won't make money if I, you know, repel clients that's what I do. I repel people. I, my, I, again, I do things back, kind of backwards or maybe they're forwards. Um, my point is more to push people away than it is to attract them. Mm. Um, in the sense that if you get on my website, you're, you're going to have a reaction right away. It's because it's not boring. There's a lot of color and stuff. You'll either go, Whoa, that's pretty cool. I like that shot. I like how this looks. Or you'll go like, oh, not for me. Very rarely do I think people feel like somewhere in the middle or, or like they don't care, like nothing about it because I've, you know, put it up there so that it is bright and it has an effect. If you're like, oh, I don't want it, then please, you know, that's okay. That's very good. I want the collection of those few who, who do like it, who resonate with it. And then there's an even smaller group of those people within that group that can afford to, to um, hire me at my rate
0: or whatever. There are people that have fears with, uh, they feel like if they take, if they get too unique in their work, that they're, uh, they have this fear that no there's not a big enough segment of the population that's going to actually hire them. But I don't really ever think that's true, you know? Uh, but I think we tell ourselves that. Like, if I go here or really want to go, there's only five people in the world that are really going to like that, you know. Um
1: Well, I also think I mean, those might be, you know, hooby doobie stuff, but I mean, I really think that you attract more when you are are um being honest with yourself and putting the right energy out there, even if you think only five people in the world are going to like this style. If you first concern about the quality of your work and your self-satisfaction, you're sort of creating a space of energy where you're commanding yourself in this world as a person, as an artist who wants to do something. I think when you do that, you start to really attract, you're opening yourself up to that space where you can attract more. I I feel very strongly about that. I mean, it's it's fear. It's like, how do we deal with these fears? Because our fears will convince us you'll be a failure, you won't have enough clients, and... And we keep forgetting, like, okay, so if we don't, then just go back to what we did before. It's it's not the end of the world. If yeah. you yeah. can only get five clients a year because you're doing strictly what you love, then go, you know what? That's a good five. And if I need 10 more weddings this year, why don't I just do ones that I'm okay with doing? And at least I'll have the five that I really love. And maybe next year it'll be more like half-half. And then the year after that, it'll be like 75-25. Yeah.
0: You know? Yeah, yeah I- it's weird cause our culture is really set up to try to please everybody in a way, you know, we, with kind of how social media is and Facebook and all this stuff is a lot of people don't have a lot of courage to put out work that people are going to say they don't like, you know, and when they get the negative feedback, some photographers really struggle with, um, Trusting that trusting their vision and what they're doing is good, even if some people don't like it. And so there's this uh, temptation to always shoot work that everybody from every walk of life is going to appreciate, you know. Which I think is a dangerous. I think it's the I think it's the fastest road to mediocrity you can get.
1: <laughs> as an artist and as a person, if you're you know if you approach um, life as and I always I always ask. I always deal with decisions in my art and how I would deal with it in life. If if you, we all know that if you're a people pleaser and, and your main intention is to please people, you will be miserable because you can never please everyone. No matter what you do, someone's always going to bitch and complain about something. So eventually you have to go, you know, it's so stressful being that way. Why don't I just try to just please myself and it's not my problem how people think about it. You know, it's that, that shifted in... in like me as a person and in my work at the same time. I mean, it took a long time and it's still happening. But, um, I think that we, we need to, we need to get over that. That's one of the the fears we have to face as artists. We have to really push ourselves with that one. I I know I, I definitely try to, um, because it's hopeless. You will never succeed in pleasing everyone. And if you, if you get close to that, your, your work it's going to look pretty crappy. Your work's going to be the Britney Spears of photography. You know, it's, it's just <laughs> nothing against Britney, but you know, it's just going to be like the good for everyone, the pop, the like covers everything. I'm, you know, I'm anything you want me to be, um, which ignores, you You know, you, then you ignore yourself as a person and your art won't feed you when you do that. You have to have a lot of respect for it. I think again, you know, you have to treat it like a, like a living creature.
0: Yeah. Have you ever rejected, a client or a potential client and if so like have you have you done that without uh, have you done that gracefully I guess
1: um, yes I have and I um, I listened to what kind of wedding she was gonna have and it was gonna be very traditional and in a ballroom <clears throat> and I was surprised that she even called me because you know I, I clearly state on my bio info thing or whatever my blog that um, what my types of things are and what my types of things aren't Um, but she said, you know, we're having this traditional thing, but we want the photos to have this kind of, you know, look that you do. And I'm like, you know, I can't, I was thinking in my head, I was like, I can't make your wedding look, um, like it's not in a ballroom. (laughs) You know, I can't make it look non-traditional. Um, and I was thinking, you know, would I enjoy that? And I thought, you know what, why don't I ask her? And I said, look, give me a look at my portfolio again, look at my blog again, look at my work and really see if it's a good click for you. Because I, re- I, I really want to work with people who totally see my vision and, you know, that it fits within their, their lifestyle, their wedding or their, you know, whatever. And, um, she kept insisting, you know, I, I do, I have looked at your work and i and i and I said, well, you know, it, for me, that's like a thing. If, if, if I would, was to consider, um, shooting a wedding, If it's a wedding, I can't post on my blog. In other words, stuff I don't want to show because I don't want to attract. That's loss of business for me. So I get all my business that way through other blogs, blogging, my thing that I blogged. And so I thought, well, I could approach it like I did with my celebrity clients like uh, Emily Deschanel and David Hornsby. Um, For example, we had a thing set up where they said, you know, we're not sure how we're, if we're ever going to want to share these photos or not. So I put it up in the contract that I had a fee um, you know there's full release which there's no fee but they'll let me post whatever I want um, now in this case it's obviously a wedding I really wanted to show because it was gorgeous it was really beautiful but it was up to you know they have their, their privacy needs so then there's um, partial release where they tell me you know you can post only those photos or maybe just the details or something and they pay a fee for that. And then there's zero release where they have to pay me a flat fee for not allowing any photos out at all because they weren't sure how they wanted to do it yet. So I said, that's fine. And um, that fee is, I'm calling it a loss of business, please, because I can't share this and this would bring me more business. And that's how I get business. I haven't advertised in years. I just recently put a little ad on Eastside Bride and I had another one on Design Love Fest um, because it sounded like a good idea. So I brought that up to her as well. And I said, you know, I have this loss of business fee that if the images, because I don't shoot traditional weddings in general, um, if the images are something I feel like I can't share my work that's consistent, uh, share my blog that's consistent with my work, um, then I'll have this fee. And, you know, I told her what it was and I said, please consider that and let me know if you're still interested and we can talk about it. And then I I said, "I, I know some really great photographers that I absolutely love that I think would fit really well in your wedding. And I recommended a couple to her. And one of them was Braden Flynn. And um, I, I love his work and he shoots film. And he, he shot the... Um, Room magazine did an artist feature of me in my studio and all that. We did this whole big setup. And he photographed it and I, I loved his photos. So I recommended um, him for her. Because it sounded like he could get the sort of edge she wanted, but um, it's still really clean and beautiful. And he's just, you know, he's good at that. So, um, she ended up hiring him, which is awesome. And, um, yeah, so that, that was one that I, I turned down and then, you know, there was that other weird eyes wide shut situation, which had, was not a wedding at all, which I kind of turned down, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about, uh, a little bit more about the workshop you have coming up and maybe why why or how it's different than a lot of the other workshops that are out there right now.
1: Right. Cool, yeah. Um, I'm super excited about this one. It's April 18th and 19th. It's in the Bay Area. Um, it's like 20 minutes outside of San Francisco in Pacifica. And it's. it's I've got this huge, giant beach house on the water. And um, I wanted to do kind of like a... Sleepover, hangout kind of workshop, like work hard, play hard, but hang out too. And um, uh, the workshops that I do are like are not like um, you know, here's a camera and here's a lens and here's your f stop. It's not a te- it's not technical like that. It's um, the kind of stuff we're talking about. The stuff I'm really concerned with. It's for people who who want to go a lot further in um, self-satisfaction as an artist and what that means and how, how we can discover what that means and what kind of people we are and how to use that to our benefit and how to use um, things that are potentially our detriment to be our benefit um, how to see things differently how to apply that to your work how to build a relationship with your work that's alive and, and, um, and growing and how you can when you have that relationship established, it can start teaching you lessons about life and it starts giving generously to you. And, and it's, uh, it's very sacred. I think, you know, I think it's, it's pretty amazing. And so the workshops, like I'll talk about everything, you know, from how I started what what changes I made, I go very through every single step of the big change I made to like, that changed everything for me, like overnight. And, um, I talk about, um, Artistic integrity, you know, experimenting, how to try to keep inspired, what you should be inspired by, what you shouldn't be inspired. by. don't be inspired by wedding photographers. If you're a wedding photographer, don't look at wedding photographers. It's the worst thing you can do. (laughs) I don't, I don't look at, I don't look at wedding any, if you look at my Pinterest boards, it's, there's not one wedding thing on there. I don't want to see that because I don't want that to, to be my influence. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't know. It's like, if you want to be a band like i don't know who like nirvana or something don't listen to grunge listen to the people nirvana listen to <laughs> or from that era or something you know it, it influence in order for it to affect you it has to be indirect
0: yes wow. yes you know what i'm saying it's yeah, yeah which people it's a very hard thing for a lot of people to grasp or they don't it takes a little extra work, I guess, to do it. Uh, but and they don't put the time in maybe sometimes. But, um.
1: They don't think that they'll be able to. They, they don't yeah. think they'll. Yeah. Be, they don't know how. It, it's got to be indirect so it can filter through you. And then something can come out of it. If you're just recreating everything that's around you all the time, there's no none of your voice in it. There's maybe a couple of skills, a couple of ideas, but you're not in it. There's a huge difference when you look at your work that you're in it. And when you're not in it, you know what I mean? Right. So it's like, yeah. So, so influence is something, um, I talk about as well, direct versus indirect, all these types of things that, um, that for me personally are ongoing conversations I'm having with myself that I'm interested in, that I'm concerned with, that I'm trying to learn from. And, um, we also get into, you know, some of the industry stuff, um, how the industry kind of, you know, if if people are interested, you know, they'll usually ask, like, what what happened in this, how did this thing, this new quote-unquote thing start in the past few years? And um, there was just a few of us in the beginning that were doing, you know, different things with weddings, pioneering this sort of thing, and it was risky and scary, and some people didn't know what to do with it, and some people would laugh at it and some people got angry. I had photos of people who get angry. I was at this one bridal bazaar. I would never do that thing again. Um, it was years yeah. ago. Uh, now they even have amazing things like that, like the cream event, which is amazing that my friend's bash piece put on, which is just it's a big art show for weddings. You know, it's so cool. But yeah, I had, um, they had this like four by three photo of this couple that was, this was a wedding I shot in Santa Fe, New Mexico. On this beautiful, like, blue wooden bench, and and they were just very stoic, and it looked looked pretty old school pose. You know, they were just both sitting there like this, and he had a top hat, and and they were just um, pleasantly serious, kind of. You know, just like posing. And I had this four by three thing up, and this woman she started yelling at me, "Why aren't they smiling? They're supposed to be happy, wasn't?" It? And I was just like, "Whoa!" I mean, it was just hard. I I hate that. It's like wh- yeah what are you talking? And I remember I'd have to defend myself and I'd try to explain, well, it's, it's art and it's kind of like an old photos and, oh, I, I don't do that anymore. I just don't. I mean, that was years ago. So, so you know, there was a few of us and we started a whole thing a few years ago that the industry changed and all these really creative people came in and they started building into it. In such a short period of time, it's become a mainstream um, wedding style, which is why I, I, I when I did that guest blog for Eastside Bryant which is why I don't like calling it vintage because I th- think of it more as progressive if we call it vintage there's it's just one thing and it doesn't grow it's it's constantly growing there's so many creative people in the industry event designers and stylists and business people creatives artists photographers videographers that that are continuing to grow as artists and continuing to develop new looks and and I love that I don't I don't want it to be stifled. You know, I've seen it from the beginning to now and it, how fast and huge it's come along in such a short period of time. It's pretty amazing. So, you know, if people are interested in that kind of stuff, I talk about that. I leave a, a, a lot of time for questions too, in the workshops so that I can be more direct of what people want to know. Um, and then I'll uh, have a section called what is the artist creature, which again is really ex- exploring what type of, people we are and what we have to deal with and how you have to understand it first kind of before you can uh, know how to work with it otherwise it becomes your detriment i think that's why so many artists are extremists you know because they you either do it because you get it or you it, it like hurts you yeah. things yeah. Like, like oversensitivity,
0: for example are you talking about a like kind of creative process is that what that section is about or no yeah,
1: yeah. Um, it's more of like a a philosophical look at um, at who artists are and how to a- approach things with an understand with a, a clear understanding of how you are as a person instead of not wanting to deal with it. So it's it's more of a broader subject, and and then yes, then how do you take. These things that you're learning about yourself and apply them to your work. I'm very like interested in joining all those worlds together. How one thing influences the other. How one thing makes the other thing grow. How you know how your art can teach you to be a better person. Um, how you can teach your art. You you can teach yourself how to open up to a space where it'll feed your art if you're following it correctly. It's it's very. Um, Uh, I don't know how to explain it. I guess philosophical is kind of like the best word for it. But um, I get into all the deep hooby doobie stuff that I really kind of dig, you know, that I think about a lot. And I also get into all, you know, uh, industry stuff, technical stuff, not technical, but like, you know, how to's, how to experiment more, how to find uh, more influence, how to be more directly, indirectly influenced by the stuff that you love, how to kind of go outside to find something inside, you know, all these techniques and ideas and things. And, um, and, uh, with, with the Bay Area workshop, I also have two guest speakers, which I'm really excited about. Um, one is one of my favorite photographers, Chloe Aftel. Um, she's a film photographer. She's great. And I've worked with her before and we were friends and, um, she's going to give like an hour, um, an hour guest lecture on Polaroid, like everything about Polaroid using like impossible film. Nice. And nice. she's so good. She's so, so good. Um, it'd be great to to have her on, uh, interviewed on your blog too. She's amazing. Um, yeah. yeah. And then there's, um, Ann Sage who has a uh, room magazine and the city Sage blog. She's also a good friend of mine. We've done a lot of work together. I work for a magazine and, you know, and, um, she is sort, you know that I admire so much, because she's constantly creative and in the forefront of ideas. She's just constantly coming up with beautiful, amazing stuff. If you look at her magazine, if you look at her blog, and she seems like she's a bottomless pit of um, inspiration and creativity. She's also a businesswoman. She runs a creative business. she's got all these projects she has to handle. It's a lot of stuff. And she figures out how to do, how to be this extremely creative person and be a very down to earth business person. I always go to her for ideas, both of them actually, Chloe as well. I go to them for ideas. I bounce things around with them. I, whatever. So, um, I think it's really important to hear another person talk about that as well. How to, you know, really be in the thick of business and creative and function and keep being inspired. So that's, you know, I'm really looking forward to hearing both of them and, and then that, that's going to be on day two, and then we're going to do a shoot for Room Magazine, um, which I'm very excited about because I love that magazine. Right. And Apartment 34 and Room Magazine are going to be um, uh, producing that whole shoot.
0: We're going to do that,
1: and then um, for the first time ever in my workshops, I'm going to be doing a workflow because a lot of people are asking, I get the people that are like, can you give me your post-processing? It's like, no. <laughs> but, the workflow stuff like hey can you show us how you you know what's behind your editing like what makes you decide which image or how do you maybe balance the image you know what do you do in Photoshop I can I'm now wanting to start sharing the the processing thing in the sense of showing how to build your own showing some maybe tips and tricks showing how to find a process and find how it was built and choose the things that you do like about it how to build your own actions to create your own your own look for your own work not like the feather love look, but like, you know, how to, how to find it. Cause you know, I realize the reason I'm wanting to do it now, even though I haven't, I've never done it in my workshops before is I've got, you know, let's say I'm almost 35 since I was 20. I've been a graphic designer, you know, for 12 years I was a graphic multimedia and web designer. So I kind of didn't think about how much graphic design background I have in Photoshop and I mean, I, you know, Photoshop I've known for so many years, and that a lot of people don't have that if they're photographers or maybe they just have a little bit of experience with it. So there's actually a few things I can show. I'm like, well, here's how you can find colors. you like, here's how you can find processing. you like, what are you going for with this image? Or this might work better for darker images and lighter images. Just a few little things like that. And, and actually do it with people hands on at the workshop so that they can start like exploring, um, exploring that stuff and, and finding stuff that really works for them you know, with digital photography. And I'm also, um, I, I'm leaving it open to, you can bring film cameras, digital cameras, whatever you want. But if you do want to do part of the workflow stuff, um, then bring in digital so we can mess with it. And we might even have some time to do some experimental stuff too, which is the stuff I'm going to be talking about on the first day. We might have time to actually do some hands on with it on, on day two as well. And on day one at the end, um, I've got all these I like, I'm renting all these like sleeping pads, you know, for people to crash out on and we're going to eat and just like hang out, drink some wine. And we've got, um, Nikki and Tim bloom are going to come sing and play for us. I don't know if you saw the little music video I did on, on my blog of them.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. And I've worked with them several times and I've known Nikki for years and they're friends, but, um, there's San Francisco locals, So they're going to come in and give some little entertainment and, um, it's just, I'm really excited. This is, I've never been so excited about a workshop because I, I, you know, like what I was talking about with my work, I just decided, why don't I just take everything I would want to do and just do it <laughs> instead of like, maybe I should do this or that, or do I feel like doing this or that? Instead of just that, just going like, oh my God, I know all these incredible people who could, who could talk to us. I know these beautiful musicians. I know people who can, so it's just, it's like my ideal two-day, like retreat yet work and have a really good time and combine all those things like in real life if i'm going to talk about that stuff the workshop's going to be like that you know
0: yeah yeah wow that sounds uh like a ton of fun (laughs) 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 yeah i wish i could (laughs) i can't but uh maybe eventually though you know so i'm actually just getting back into film myself so um
1: how are you liking that
0: Good, I learned on film, and I got away from it and uh got burnt out really quick, I think because of that just because of all the post processing and um so now going back to where I can just shoot and not have to handle the post processing for the most part is um is really getting you know it's getting me going again to uh, you know my inspiration level is going a lot higher now um so it's good. I didn't realize how much the post-processing was like just killing me, you know, just computer time is not what I'm interested in.
1: I know exactly what you mean. I love film so much. When I get those back from the lab, I'm like, oh God, look at that. That's film. You know, it's just,
0: Yeah. And
1: everybody, yeah. everybody says like, film is so much better than digital. And I agree. I really do. It's, it's a matter of what you're working with. You know, if, I, if I'm going to cover a whole wedding. I'm going to cover it in digital, but I'll bring film if they they add film to their package. I'll bring Polaroid, Holga, 35 mil. But the the last um, travel I did has gone for a month. Last year I was in uh, Brooklyn and in upstate New York and then London and Italy and Italian Riviera, French Riviera. I resigned to just, I'm just going to shoot the whole thing on film. That's it. I was like, you love film. Why not just... Don't mess around and just shoot everything on film. There's a nice little project for you. So I did. I shot the whole thing on film and I was so stoked about it. So stoked about it. It's this, you can't compare it. It's a visceral, it's a textural thing that I can sit there for hours and hours on Photoshop to try to make a digital photo, have that. And Sometimes it comes close and, and I like it, but it's, you know, there's a spirit behind, behind film. I have a, My Holger has this, um, I call him my little blue ghost, Harry, or Henry, my little blue ghost. He's awesome, he shows up like, his favorite spot's like, bottom left corner, but he, um, sometimes he shows up on the right and surprises me like, hey, I'm over here now. (laughs) He just into the camera and he's the grooviest blue color and, I have one photo of him that's just him. I don't know what happened if the lens cap or what happened, but it's just black and it's just this big blue blast of light. I think it's on my website, actually. Um and I was like, Wow, Henry, look at you. You're you're just like you're wanting attention. You're not like being all like, Hey, I'm just gonna hang out at the bottom of the photo, you're like in the room, like commanding your presence It's awesome. And, you know, you don't you can't get that with digital. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't show up in a digital camera. He shows up in a rickety old Holger that's like
0: taped together. Yeah, you don't get those happy accidents as often. Uh, It has to be something outside that you're doing with light or something weird. You're putting stuff in front of the lens or something to get that digital. But uh, Yeah, the last thing I just wanted to hear you talk about real quick was just how important experimentation is for you in your process and how you handle that on paid client shoots.
1: Um, experimenting like at a wedding, for example.
0: Yeah. Just having the kind of courage to be like, I have no idea if this is going to work, but, and you're paying me to not know if this is going to work, but if we're going to try some stuff.
1: Well, it depends if it's a wedding or if it's like, um, a shoot I'm doing with some artists or musicians or an actress or something. <laughs> um, if I'm doing that, I'm doing tons of experimental. And they're aware of it and they they know it. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to get some digital coverage as a a backup, but I'm going to shoot a lot of experimental film. Um, When it's a wedding and they add film to their package, I I put a clause in in the contract saying the client is aware that, um, you know, Holger, or Polaroid, or whatever, film is very volatile. There's no guarantee as to how the images are going to come out, if at all. Some, I've gotten rolls of Holger back are just black, <laughs> you know? Um, and that they understand that. They know that they're paying for this thing, but they know that they that they really want it if it does work out. Because they've seen my images that are experimental or, or you know, some film stuff or whatever. Um, so they're fully aware of it. They're fully aware. And that way I'm not stressed out because I'm like full coverage with digital. We've got everything backed up. I've got a second shooter, shooting as well. And then I can feel free to do, you know, some Polaroid... Um, Holger, 35, I've I've done all sorts of weird things where I I find these weird, like kids toys from science sets and I put them in front of my lens and makes all these rainbows come out. I, you know, and and they love it. They're open to it. They want it because they've, because I show it on my website. I show that experimental stuff. So they, they're aware that that's what I do. And when they ask me to add it, they're fully aware of what they're getting into. But they know that they're still going to have everything covered.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much. That was a lot of fun. I appreciate thank it. You so much. Sorry I'm so lack like, of sleep and I'm so all over the place. No, no, it's good. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that was, it was really
1: fun. Thanks for having me.